What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So today is the MLB trade deadline. I'm going to record a quick episode on some rumors that are going around the game of baseball right now, and then hopefully have a recap of all the trades that go down before today's 6 p.m. deadline. Maybe tomorrow, hopefully, I can give you guys a recap of all of the big deals. Honestly, I've been keeping you guys up to date on a lot of the deals as they have happened, so I probably won't have too long of an episode tomorrow when I do a recap, but I'm going to give you some rumors over the last 24 hours or so since I last recorded. And the first one being that Alex Verdugo will not be traded by the Boston Red Sox. High and Bloom in the Red Sox front office reached out to teams last night to say he is off the trade market. So that's one good thing. I'm happy that the Red Sox will not be trading Verdugo. I think he belongs in a Red Sox uniform and would love to give him a contract extension this offseason, an extension I think he deserves. He's been one of the Red Sox most consistent and reliable players over the last few seasons and brings so much energy to the game of baseball and a lot of swagger. I would love to see him in a Sox uniform for years to come. So that's one good thing I'm going to start with. Verdugo staying in Boston, that's huge in my opinion. As for trade rumors around Justin Verlander, there is a chance he's still traded by the New York Mets, but considering there's a lot of clauses and things that have to be figured out in his contract, it would be harder to trade from today than it would have been yesterday because there's a lot of things that have to get figured out by 6 p.m. about money, about the third-year option, about the return as well. There's a lot of things that have to get figured out there for Justin Verlander and the Mets. He'd also have to waive his no-trade clause to go to whatever team wants to trade from. So with all those things that have to be worked out and figured out, I think he's less likely to be traded since he is still in New York Met in the morning of the MLB trade deadline. So I think he's going to stay in New York, but two teams to watch out for, Houston and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are a team that has a ton of prospects that they can go out and trade to try to get Justin Verlander and anybody else in the market that they want. As of right now, I think Justin Verlander would be most likely to be Houston Astro. And then I think the Dodgers would go out and try to get Eduardo Rodriguez. If Rodriguez is traded, which he should be by Detroit, they should be sellers at today's trade deadline. I'd imagine Michael Lorenzen will be gone as well. I think they should go and trade Eduardo Rodriguez to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think the Houston Astros would probably be the best landing spot for Justin Verlander, considering all of the past success he's had there and the Houston Astros need to add to the rotation and they've been aggressive over the last day or two to try to get him, I think it makes total sense for him to go to Houston. As for the Mets, I don't think it would be the worst thing to trade Verlander and Scherzer. Obviously, Scherzer's gone now and he's a Texas Ranger. It would not be the worst thing to try to build for the future and try to go into this next offseason with a clean slate. And I'm going to compare it to an NBA team here, and that's the Brooklyn Nets a team that went into each of the last three seasons with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving with the goal of winning an NBA championship. Even last year during the summer, they kept Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to try to run it back one more season. And then midway through the season at the trade deadline, they realized this is never going to work. After three years of pain and the whole entire roller coaster they went through with James Harden and Ben Simmons, they figured this isn't going to work. Let's just completely start off with a new clean slate and build to the future. And that's what they did, getting back Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, trading Kevin Durant, trading Kyrie Irving, getting back Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. It only made sense for Brooklyn to rip things up and try to forget the disaster of a three-year window with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I'm not saying the Mets are this big of a disaster. I mean, it's only one season that they try to run it with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And obviously this season overall just didn't work out for them. But the way I see it is, this team's not competing for the World Series this year. And if you can go out and start with a clean slate and go into this next offseason with all the money in the world to spend 
of getting rid of Scherzer and Verwood, even though you're still going to spend some money on them and send money, obviously, to Texas with Scherzer. And then if Verwood gets traded, I'm sure the Mets will have to send money as well with them. But you'd start with a clean slate and have prospects to build on for the future and then maybe some more money to go into this offseason with. So I think it only would make sense for the Mets to at least potentially shop Justin Verwood. If they get back a return that they like, why not? Why not trade both of them? I know they're a team that went in with expectations to win it all this season and, and next year as well, thinking we have two years of Scherzer and Verland together. But the reality is just things haven't worked out. And sometimes you just have to think for the future and say, okay, even though this year hasn't worked out, let's try to start over, get something back in return, and get back on track for next season. So we'll see what the Mets do. I think Tommy Pham will be traded today. I think Adam Bonavino could be traded today. And they've obviously traded Mark Hanna yesterday as well. Canada was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday in exchange for Justin Jarvis, the 12th prospect, according to Baseball America, in the farm system for the Milwaukee Brewers. Jarvis on the year made 17 starts between AA and AAA in the farm system of Milwaukee, going 6-6 six six with a 4.33 ERA and 102 strikeouts and 87 in a third innings pitched. He's pitched in 90 minor league games in his career with a 4.27 ERA and 384 strikeouts and 385.1 innings pitched. So just about a strikeout per inning over his career in the minor leagues. In return, the Brewers get Mark Canna in cash. Canna's on an expiring contract and has been struggling this season at the plate, hitting just 245 with a 725 OPS, six home runs and 29 RBIs. Last year, he had a better season, 266 batting average with a 770 OPS, 13 home runs and 61 runs batted in in 140 games for the Mets. The Mets, though, are clear sellers at this year's trade deadline, so it makes sense to only trade Canna and the rest of their expiring contracts. I think Tommy Pham will be shipped out today as well. Dave Robinson's gone. Max Scherzer's gone. Justin Verlander could be gone as well. The Mets are rebuilding and just sending their expiring contracts out, and I think they're building still for next year. They're getting prospects back in return for their future, and then they're also getting some money back with trading Max Scherzer, and who knows if they do trade Justin Verlander, maybe they save some money on his deal as well for next season. So we'll see what happens there with the Mets, but I think it makes sense for them to be sellers at the trade deadline. According to reports last night, the New York Yankees will be partial sellers at the trade deadline, it looks like. I think that's the best idea for the Yankees. This is a team that's been struggling a lot without Aaron Judge in the lineup, and now with Aaron Judge in the lineup, they're still struggling. Losing last night 5-1 to to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is just 5-5 five five over the last 10 games. They've been vulnerable. For just about the last month, in July, they went 8-16, and 16, which is tied for the second-worst record in the game of baseball with Arizona and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a team that I said at the beginning of the season when they started hot that they were the Utah Jazz of the MLB, a team that has a bright future and has a lot of prospects and plays to build around the future and make a run. But they started the year very hot, just like the Utah Jazz did, and they fell off over the course of the season. They really just came back down to earth. But the Rays are 8-16 in the month of July, second Worst record in the game of baseball. Tied to the second worst record in the game of baseball in July. As for the best records in the game of baseball in the month of July, the Seattle Mariners at 17-9 and the Baltimore Orioles at 17-9 and the Boston Red Sox at 15-8. The New York Mets even at 14-9 as well. Padres and Houston Astros at 15-10. The Mets started to turn things around in July, but just too little too late for this team. I think it still makes sense for them to sell at the trade deadline. As for the Red Sox, though, they've been playing a lot better this season and last season against teams that are over 500. The Red Sox have the third best win percentage in the game of baseball right now against teams that are 500 or better. They are 40 and 33 on the season with the third best win percentage, as I said, 40 and 33. The Braves are first at 39 and 24, and the Orioles are at 44 and 34, which is second. 
As for the most wins, though, against teams in a 500 or better, the Red Sox actually have the second most in the game of baseball. It goes Orioles with 44, Red Sox with 40, and then the Tampa Bay Rays with 39. The Red Sox have been playing a lot better, though, against teams 500 overall on the season. And the Red Sox, over the last 20 games, find themselves at 13-7, 17-13 over the last 30. And they are currently on a little bit of a cold stretch, though, losing three games in a row, losing last night, unfortunately, in the series opening against the Seattle Mariners. Another cold night for the Red Sox at the plate, losing this game 6-2 last night. Nick Mavetta was very good on the mound. Got the start for the Sox, his first time being the starter for the Red Sox since May. He went seven and a third innings, giving up five hits, three earned runs, two home runs, both of them to Cal Raleigh, a guy that's had his number this entire season. And he also had 10 strikeouts with no walks in, 104 pitches total on the night. His ERA in the season's 408. Had a very strong outing, though, yet again. He's been very good for the Sox ever since jumping from the starting rotation to the bullpen. And then last night he showed that he could still be a starter for this Red Sox team. Since jumping to the bullpen on May 21st and then to today, August 1st, he's made 18 appearances with one game started, which was last night, 48 and a third innings on the mound with 68 strikeouts to 15 walks, 12 earned runs, a 138 opponent batting average, and a 2.23 ERA. He's been dominant on the mound for the Red Sox over the last couple months. It's really good to see him finding his footing again. The Sox need somebody to step up, especially with all the pitching injuries to Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Hope, Chris Hill. And he's been awesome for the Sox over the last couple months. So that's one bright spot for the Red Sox. And even though they did lose last night, at least you know you have another starting pitcher in Nick Pavetta. He can still start the game rather than come out of the bullpen after an opener. Still is very capable of being the fourth starter in this Red Sox rotation, even when Chris Sale comes back. And maybe Whitlock or Houck, depending on who's in the rotation, who goes to the bullpen. I think Houck will be in the rotation. I think Whitlock will go to the bullpen. But we'll see what happens there. I think Whitlock serves a better purpose, though, out of the bullpen for the Red Sox than he does in the starting rotation. So one last player I want to talk about is Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox, a guy that still has a couple years left of control on his contract. And a player that's been a hot commodity on the trade market. I know a lot of teams have been interested in him, but Chicago's not going to trade him for just anything. They're going to want back a monster return, especially since he has another two years of control left after the season. He's 4-4 four and four on the year with a 4.15 ERA and 22 starts, 143 strikeouts, and 119 in the third innings pitched. Last season was best season of his career, 2.2 ERA and 32 starts with a 14-8 record. He's still very capable of that. was actually second in the AL Cy Young voting last year. And it's still capable of getting back there, but I know a lot of people think he's going to get traded. I think Chicago holds on to him. I don't think they're going to trade him at the deadline. They definitely could still trade some other pieces today, like Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Liam Hendricks, Aloy Jimenez. They have a lot of guys that could still potentially move at the trade deadline today. So we'll see what happens. Tim Anderson, though, has been very hot since coming back from the All-Star break. Let me give you a breakdown of his numbers really quick. He's had a lot of multi-hit games, and he's hitting 344 over his last 15 games since the All-Star break with a 4-3 on base percentage, an 829 OPS, a home run, his first one actually since July of 2022, six RBIs, and he also has a 426 slugging percentage since the All-Star break. So he's been very good since coming back from the All-Star break. So that's one positive there for the White Sox is that since he's turned things up, they could get back a better return from him, even though he is on an expiring contract. You could definitely get back more in return since he has gotten back to the Tim Anderson that we know. So one last thing I want to mention is a trade that went down yesterday, and that was between the Chicago Cubs and Washington Nationals. Jamie Candelario was acquired by Chicago yesterday in exchange for Kevin Made, a shortstop, 
in Chicago's farm system, who is now the number 16 prospect in Washington's farm system, a farm system that has gotten a lot better over the last three years since they've traded a lot of their big pieces away, including Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Juan Soto. And that Soto deal was an absolute haul of prospects. And I think if you think about it, Washington did the right thing there. They offered Juan Soto $440 million. He declined it, so they said, why not? Go and get back a ton of prospects in return and rebuild this farm system and create an absolute juggernaut of a farm system for years to come. And even in this trade as well, they're getting back two more prospects from Chicago. And they also got DJ Herz, who is a left-handed pitcher in Chicago's farm system, who is now the number 17 prospect in Washington's farm system. So, so Washington gets back two prospects that are now the number 16 and 17 prospects in their farm system. And as for the Cubs, they get Jamie Candelario, who's had a very good season for Washington, showed a lot of power this season, 16 home runs with a 258 batting average, a 342 on base percentage, and a 481 slugging percentage. Not a bad ad there for the Cubs, a team that I had a green light on about two weeks ago now when I recorded an episode on the trade deadline and gave my, all my predictions. And then over the last few days, four or five days, I started saying the Cubs should be biased at the trade deadline. This team has won a lot of games recently. They've turned things around. And they're still in the race for the NL wild card. They're still in. They still have a lot of games left against the teams that are ahead of them. Right now, the Cubs are just three and a half games back of the last wild card spot in the NL. So it only makes sense for them to buy the trade deadline, keep their current pieces, and try to make a run. So I do like this pickup for Candelario, and it shows that they will be buyers at this year's trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it, and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.